And now, another cup of... The London Fog. All right, we're going. Welcome. We're Welcome back. back, guys. You guys missed us so much. So much. We've been on a hiatus. <laughs> but we're back now. Yeah. To record great For things. Better than ever. Back and better yeah. than ever. <laughs> I love how I was all like New, Year- New Year's resolution, get better at podcasting, and then promptly did good for a couple weeks and then had a breakdown and needed to not podcast. But it's okay. Her breakdown is over. It's true. Sort of. Kind <laughs> hey. Yes. I didn't have a breakdown. So Leah I'm here. didn't have a breakdown, but Leah had... Oh, actually, I'm having a baby, and I was pretty sick, too. Right? (laughs) Good point. Leah has happy news. I don't, but... (laughs) But anyway, we were falling apart for a number of reasons. Yeah, and so, you know, mental health, it's a big thing. And sometimes you have to give yourself permission to leave some shit behind, which included the podcast for a minute for me. Not that we consider the podcast shit. (laughs) (laughs) We do not consider it shit. Uh, it was just too much, you know? Yeah, but shout out to the fans that messaged us asking us when we would be back. It's true. We appreciate you. It's true. (laughs) We had a good little recovery time, mental health needed, and people definitely, um, were super sweet. And we're back now. Yes. Better than other. Other than the fact that, and another shout out to, um, my ENT who's going to see me again someday because I keep reopening the same vocal wound. So if you guys like hear that I'm super close to the mic, it's because I am. (laughs) It's a little creepy. I'll try to keep her away from you guys. (laughs) It's just so that you guys can hear me. Um, It's like I have a little like cut in a vocal fold and it keeps opening. So sad. So I'm going to go to my doctor next week and get that checked out once again. My vocal are great. But Leah's vocal <laughs> folds are in pristine condition, you know? Every relationship needs it. You know that bullshit like you do 50%, I do 50% and we hit, you know, 100. I don't believe that. I think both people have to be giving their all. Yes. Which my all is like is a good 30%. Vocal folds and mental health. So, there you go, guys. It has been a couple weeks. There's my my shit. We aired it out. Yes. We're letting it out into the universe, so, and now we're just bringing in good vibes. So, we're back. A lot has happened. England. Too much for us to talk about. There have been True. a lot of royal appearances. So this week, we'll just talk about this week. Yes, please. This week, the Duchess of Sussex had her baby shower in New York City. Aww. Did you know about that? Were you I too- didn't. Okay. I was depressed. Yeah. So, I mean, I probably should have sent you things about it. I was deep into a bag of cookies well, actually, it made, and Oreos. It made me quite depressed that there is no way my baby shower is matching up to this one. Um, I was. It was pretty interesting, though, because I feel like it was very obviously um, a purposeful leak that she was there. Okay. Um... Like in New York to... Yeah, because okay. she spent a couple days there, like, you know, on her own. Nobody knew yeah. she was there. And then suddenly there was a leak that she was having a baby shower. And, like, she obviously told people that they could post about it. Because, like, the people who made the cookies, the people who did the flowers, like, they all, like, post on their Instagrams. Which, yeah. like, people don't do that for private events right. unless they have permission. Yeah. So... 
Especially so when know. it's a I royal. Mean, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. Like, I feel like it was obviously leaked because it was leaked by a friend who had inside information. So that makes me feel like they had permission to leak it. Yeah, probably. Um, right? Yeah. But if it wasn't, I wonder if they're still friends. Right? <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. But then I thought that friends. was kind of nice of Megan to, like, let people post that they, like, made yeah. cookies or did the flowers or whatever. Because it's, like, great publicity, publicity. for them. Yeah. It kind of sucks for them to do something so awesome and then, like, not get the publicity. Right. So, anyway, I just thought it's it was funny because it was, like, pride. a very, it was of a very, like, celebrity Kardashian-level type thing for her to do. Oh. Which royalty never does. Like, like Kate, yeah. did she have a baby shower for any of her children's? We'll never know. Oh, that's a good point. I was all like, I don't think so. But yeah, exactly. It's just behind closed because doors. behind closed doors because royalty doesn't yeah. do these, like, celebrity things. But... Megan used to be a celebrity. Megan's American, and she has expected this all of her life, apparently. You know? Some women get things in their heads. She's all like, I'm doing it. And that's what I feel, is it's like, hey, she loves New York. Because, I mean, some people were like, why is she coming to New York and using security here or whatever? It's like, she's American. She's from America. She's allowed to come back. (laughs) Does she have dual citizenship, or did she have to give Um, up her citizenship? I think she had to give it up. I think so, too. Yeah, I because yeah, she had to give it up. I have a be, girl to become a Dutch. Yeah, so I have she, a girlfriend yeah. who was um, where was she from? Cambridge, and she's now an American citizen. But they had her like in her like testimony or whatever. She had to renounce the Queen like verbatim, and she's all like, I don't know why. Like, didn't really matter. Like, I never had to like say I like stand behind her. But like to renounce was definitely one of these things that I was not a fan of. <laughs> well. The thing is... So do you, you have to, like, renounce US, Trump? Because that's easy. The that's US done. The U.S. have to renounce your other country, but they don't check it. So, oh. like, you can still technically hold two passports or whatever. Yeah. I think as her being a duchess of the realm, mm-hmm. I feel like she had to actually, Probably, for true, right? real, renounce it. But also, like, you know, if it was I mean, what do you have years, it might have been a hard thing for her to do. Right. But, <laughs> but you know, now, well, it makes me kind of think, you know, like they say, like, you have to renounce the queen. Okay. That's like something. But what do they have like Americans renounce? The flag. Oh, I maybe. I feel like we're Bald eagles. With our flag. Yeah. Bald eagles. Big baseball, gulps. <laughs> apple pie. <laughs> yeah, we have None of these things for you. <laughs> So, so yeah, so that, and then also her and Harry just started their, their final, like, this is like the final thing that she's doing before she goes on maternity leave. Okay. They're doing a three day tour of Morocco. I've always wanted to go to Morocco. Yeah. By the time we post this, it'll probably be over. Probably. look back on it. (laughs) (laughs) Go back. Check it out. Um, So that means that the bar for your baby shower is like really high. I know. Really high. Ooh, maybe we should make it a British themed baby shark. No, that's not true. It no, doesn't have to be. It's going to be Harry Potter themed. Oh, <laughs> of course it is. That would be fitting. My my bridal shower was like tea party. It's true. British, so. Yeah. Good point. Harry Potter. Oh, we're going to have to talk about this off the podcast. Yeah. There's a lot to say. If anyone has ideas, feel yeah, free to send, send them, them our way. Send them Leah's way. We've got to get <laughs> yeah. baby shower planned. I'm going to learn how to do something that we can celebrate (laughs) (laughs) let's all hope that someday we can celebrate kate no just let's all celebrate (laughs) my vocal fold okay if we can get that underway guys send the good vibes 
for that because if I heard it one more time, well, I'm going to have to go back to see a therapist because <laughs> not just a vocal therapist, like <laughs> mental, which is a good thing. Yeah. Maybe you should anyway. <laughs> right? <laughs> Shouldn't we all? <laughs> so. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, so yeah. So we said we were going to do a special episode for you Because it has been a while. So. Yeah. This one's a bit hefty and a lot of reading. So so you guys are ready for story time. Just snuggle up. If you're driving in the car, I hope it's a long drive. (laughs) (laughs) Today we are discussing Jack the Ripper. (laughs) Okay, that's all I have. (laughs) Yeah, we should have planned some creepy music. Creepy music. I'm going to learn one day. Actually, I'm just not going to be so lazy because I think I can do it. It's, It's a lazy factor. We need, I need a technician. <laughs> yeah. Someday. We're gonna One day really when we really get famous, we'll pay somebody to do that. Mm-hmm. Unless somebody wants to volunteer to do it for free. Uh, yes, please. We'll accept your services. Yeah. I'll pay you in cups of water because that's usually anymore what we're drinking. Yeah. And Sometimes we drink tea, so we'll give you the occasional cup of tea. Right. So there you go. So yes. Jack the Ripper, the White Chapel Murders. Just because this is such an epic part of, like, British history. I mean, you kind of think, like, when you think of England, I think of, you know, the Union Jack. I think of tea. And I think of Jack the Ripper. I think of Jack the Ripper (laughs) and bad tea. Those are the four things. That's it. Um, So we're going to cover kind of this epic saga of murders that happened Mm -hmm. starting in the year 1888 yes so we're going way back way back i mean decently back (laughs) fairly 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 far back so i love how we said we were going to talk about this for a second but we're going to talk about it on the mic so i kind of looked up the victim side of things and leah looked up more of the investigation and that sort of thing the suspects at that time of which there are hundreds so i narrowed them down a bit (laughs) perfect and mine um well we'll get into it mine were a lot of prostitutes and no offense to any kind of sex worker there's sometimes just not very much information of your previous life before you were a sex worker so i think especially in 1888 in 1888 so you know it's that was tricky (laughs) So, yeah, we're talking about these murders. So I thought I would start by talking about a little bit about Whitechapel itself and the area. It is a district in London. It is in the central and eastern part of London. It is a borough that is approximately uh, three and a half miles across. So all these murders happen really one right on top of each other. It was not very big. what is there now like i i feel like i haven't been there yeah um is there anything like famous there that we would know hmm. put on the spot <laughs> oh no no i mean if you don't know that's totally fine i mean i was just thinking like i was just trying to picture it you know <laughs> there's there's a crossing <laughs> there there is um you know i don't really know I of like what's like a popular place in the 1800s because i think that like charles dickens wrote about it sometimes well it was definitely the slums you know like even as of right now it has 
definitely like a good ethnic um, community. So just a lot of different people. Uh, so I just did a quick Google. Mm-hmm. And it says that it's currently very a significant settlement for um, the British Bangladeshi community. Yes, Bangladeshtown. Very famous for its curry houses. Very nice. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, it sounds like a delightful place now. It sounds delicious there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In 1888, not so great. Not okay. so great. Continue. It was um, a place where, you know, popular place. It was cheaper for immigration and the working class. But only just like, that makes it sound like almost like fine middle class like this was kind of your your ghetto of places because well it really was a ghetto there was a decent amount of like jewish community there but um also like red line district this is where most of the brothels were and um this is where you would go and usually find your drugs sex and whatever else gets your kicks and fancies from so mm. during <laughs> during that popular time of 1888. So, painting the picture, I see it as being very gray and dirty. <laughs> I think a lot of things were gray and dirty in the Yeah, 1800s. right? Well, because that was back when they still had, like, chimney sweeps and right. stuff. Basically, all of London was gray and dirty, but this was the grayest and dirtiest. And the grayest and dirtiest where the chimney sweeps would not even go. Uh... There were a decent amount of slaughterhouses, tanneries, breweries, so it was also just kind of a stinky place, Um, and most of those things kind of closed down by the early 19th, uh, I'm sorry, 20th century. So, here we are. It is an old, cold night. (laughs) Once upon a time. So, I mean, I guess it was, right? Didn't they happen? Well, when did they start? They started April 3rd, 1888. still cold in London, a little bit chilly at night. Yeah, and they say that (laughs) all of these murders went until 1891, which actually for a serial killer is, I mean, a decent amount of time. But a lot of people, you got to wonder what happened to him because, like, it's only three years of, like, active killings and then just gone. But from what I've read, which I don't know. Did he change his style? Is that... That most people start out, like most serial killers, start out doing smaller things. So it's like as a child, you're killing squirrels, and then you move on to cats, and then you kill your neighbor's dog. You've hit your head as a child. You're you're a bedwetter. Yeah. And then like, (laughs) and then like you, you know, it's like you progressively, like maybe he started just raping. Yeah. And then he progressed to murdering. Right. You know, so like. He could have been doing crazy. I mean, he probably was doing crazy probably. things his whole life. It's just... And maybe got into something else after? Oh, yeah. Vanished? I'll tell you what he was doing after. Perfect. Supposedly. Supposedly. <laughs> of the 100 suspects. <laughs> Not to give it away, but we still don't know who yeah. Jack the Ripper was. I know. And I'm about to tell you all. <laughs> Leah has cracked the case. So stay tuned. <laughs> so there were 11 murders during this time that they consider though the first two a lot of people say they don't i don't know they don't know if they really are considered so there is emma elizabeth smith which was the first one and way too close to my own name um martha tabram mary ann polly nichols that's all one name (laughs) annie chapman elizabeth stride catherine Eddowes. 
Ed Downs? Ed, Ed Downs. Ed Downs, sure. Just say it how you feel it. Okay, I'll feel Let the spirit <laughs> come to you. Mary Jane Kelly, Rose Milet, Milet, Alice McKenzie, Francis Coles, and an unidentified woman. We'll call her Beatrice. Um, so weird, but okay. <laughs> I'm gonna roll with it. So, as you said, obviously there were probably things that started before this. Um, likely earlier attacks on women. That, as I was reading, oh, before we even start this, shout out to JackTheRipper.org if you're really into this. You got to check out that site. They have timelines. They have everything about the history videos you can watch yeah 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 and now that we have like um the science behind it some like csi like investigations have gone into it there's letters and suspects and photos and it's really cool site um so i am giving them a shout out and saying that i am reading a lot of their stuff um but as you've already said like a lot of his stuff probably he started doing this way earlier you know Probably raping or something of that nature, robberies. Or the other thing that I've heard is that Whitechapel was near the docks and they suspect, like, that's why it, like, lasts a certain amount of time. Is like, somebody who, like, came in from, like, on a ship and then they were, yeah. like, doing stuff and then, you know, they leave. I don't know. I don't know. Also, I thought, I don't know where the docks are. <laughs> Hopefully not too far away <laughs> because... I thought it was kind of landlocked, but... Oh, no, there is a river right through it. We're yeah, going to say yeah. that there's so a like, small no. boating system that yeah, comes there, through. there is. There is. There was. Perfect. <laughs> there is. There is. Um, so, as I first mentioned, the um, the first two, they say that they don't know if they're really his, but I thought they were interesting, so I'm going to start with Emma Smith. Did you cover anything investigations with her? So... Or not so much? Not so much. I mostly focused on, like... Mary Nichols down? The, the Well, no. Oh. I mostly focused on, like, the investigation techniques and, like, the police. Like, oh. Okay, perfect. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there were, like, some letters and stuff. But I didn't focus on, like, the investigation of the particular women. Okay. So if you okay. have stuff on that. Yeah, I have a bit of just things that were kind of said. So um, the first one was Emma Smith. She and pretty much all of these women... Um, were prostitutes, sex workers that were just kind of making their way in the world. And at this time, it was almost, I mean, it was kind of frowned upon, definitely, you know, but also a profession of its own. So these women worked in Whitechapel and uh, her story is just a little different because she actually survived the attack. So on April 3rd, 1888, uh, Emma Smith was assaulted and robbed at the junction of Osborne Street and Brick Lane in Whitechapel. It was early in the morning, and even though after this assault happened, she was able to walk back to her um, lodging house, which was at 18 George Street, which I freaking looked up, and it was it must be even today like a 20 minute walk. And when I say she was assaulted. There were sexual things done to this woman that ended up in the end killing her. So, I mean, it is very morbid, very dark. Mm -hmm. Yet, I just can't imagine 
I mean, getting real with it, sometimes I stare my period and can't walk like two blocks without feeling like I'm going to die. And she, fighter of a woman, she was 45 years old, gets all the way back to where she's been living. Her, um, the keeper of the house, Mary Nelson, um, she gets her full story and says that she was attacked, but it was so um, violent that she couldn't even remember if it was two or three men that had attacked her. Um, Mrs. Russell takes her to the London hospital where she's examined and, uh, she lives for uh, a day, one day and ends up dying. She first goes into a coma and then, um, never wakes up. So that was her, the, the first incident that they think was connected with Jack the Ripper. Hence why the earlier, it's not his, like the style of every of all the other ones um but she had a really cool quote that she was um had talked to inspector edmund rain um and had said about her once when emma was asked why she broke away so completely from her old life because she was 45 at the time she didn't even start being a prostitute until she was like mid-30s she replied wistfully they would not understand now any more than they understood then. I must live somehow. Um, I don't know. Maybe this was just a woman that didn't want to be just the regular part of society. Maybe she had her own sexual needs to be like fulfilled. But I thought it was, they said everything about her made her like a step above. She wasn't just crass rude this is what she grew up with needy but this was almost something that she had refined she only associated really with like guys that were a step above maybe more of like an escort style um and people liked her because she was well educated talked well um better than me um (laughs) and that she just had a really graceful air about her uh so when she had past i mean even for her a prostitute she found her like name in the papers and people are funny enough knew her probably for the wrong reasons but also knew that she was like a very nice woman Mm -hmm. and there was a definite how could some group of people be so um i don't know violent you know yeah and out of the norm so that is the first murder do you have anything on that one you want to not really Mm -hmm. I don't know anything to add to that. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So we're going to jump into the next one, which is Martha Tabram, who was murdered August 7th of 1888. So now we have a couple of months later where, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Maybe this is a guy that's like on a boat, goes out for a couple months, comes back, and that's like how he gets his kicks and jollies. Read of like, that's what they kind of suspect. Mm. Well, At least one of the things they suspect. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes good good sense. Um, okay. I need to make sure that I'm not getting them out of order. Because... <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, Martha Tabram. Uh, it's... This starts... It's a late bank holiday... August 6, 1888. And um, Martha Tabram, also known as Martha Turner, 
was um, a prostitute in her late 30s, and she was out with Mary Ann Connolly, who's a, quote, very masculine-looking prostitute who was better known in the area as Pearly Paul. (laughs) They met with two guards, um, a corporal and a private, and went drinking with them in several pubs. But somewhere between... 11.30 to 11.45, the couple split, and they go their separate ways with their clients. Uh, It said that Martha liked to frequent a uh, a sinister arch that led... (laughs) sinister arch? Yeah. Well, we have to describe it in some some way, so this one is sinister. Uh, That led into George Yard... I guess now today it's known as Gunthrop Street. While Pearly Paul was led into a different alley. Um, So they do their thing. We don't need to go into the details. (laughs) They do their thing. (laughs) Whatever is in that. We know what it probably was. Yeah. The sinister arch makes you do it. You can let your imagination run Just rampant. go. <laughs> um, and they, uh, the next day, Pearly Paul makes it back, but uh, dear little Martha Tabram does not. And people were really uh, shocked because she ended up having something so horrible done to her. But, I mean... Here's the thing. Whitechapel is, is, I don't know. It's a, it's a borough that everything is stacked on top of each other. It's like a New York in a yeah. way, you know? Everything is so compact. This woman was stabbed 39 times and her throat was cut and her abdominal was cut open. And so she was pretty much mutilated and not one person heard anything. It just... That's, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. To and it was out in the public. They found Although, her the next morning. Um, I feel like I uh, was reading something where it was saying that, like, because you know they interviewed people the next day, uh-huh. and it was like, oh, these people came home at two a.m. and they didn't see anything, and this person came home at three thirty a.m. they didn't see anything. So it's like. Even though everyone, like, all lives there all on top of each other, apparently everyone was out Nobody goes to that sinister arch. It's sinister. Yeah, like, you know, so I don't know, like... But Martha was all like, damn it, that's my spot. (laughs) I mean, I would not go to a sinister arch. I'm going to be wary of the sinister arches now, Mm -hmm. so... um, She was stabbed. Yes, yes. um, Blah, 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 blah. It was with two different blades. The majority of her wounds had been inflicted with an ordinary pocket knife, while a deep wound in her breast had been dealt with something long, strong instrument. Maybe a sword bayonet or a dagger. I think it was a dagger. Yeah. I don't know. Just just my two cents. <laughs> I'm basing that off nothing. I like it. Well, I mean, I feel like our detective work is just as good as anybody else out there no one solved the case maybe you and i I will today (laughs) oh are you still talking about her because i have one thing to add about her yeah please do so i wasn't so i'm just gonna throw this in because i don't have much to say about it but in 1998 there was an australian researcher 
and he because people are still researching this oh, yeah. all the time because you know it's never really been solved and he wrote a booklet called the case of the red-handed copycat which i don't know why it was called that anyway but his theory is that martha's husband henry samuel tabram was actually the real ripper <gasps> like he says that there's evidence really? um that like in in the letters from the ripper and stuff all that evidence he says like links back to her husband and so that's why like like she isn't like totally considered part of it because hers was a little bit different because she was his first okay and like yeah and then it like gave him a taste for it yeah maybe you know because now that what makes this different than um emma smith is they when they were you know checking out her body and everything they said that there had been no sexual intercourse or anything of that nature. So now the killings turn to more of just the sport and the thrill of mm. of it. You get a different thirst for something else. Yeah. So that's why there's kind of this possibility. I, I believe that she is the first um, because they really consider the next victim like 100%. That is definitely his first um of like this style that he developed, mm. which is disgusting. Um, because I mean, I don't know. I don't, maybe I don't need, no one knows where I live. Um, I don't have like a gun or anything. So the only thing I own is a knife and I don't know how many times I have it like by my bed and I've like looked at it and I'm all like, I laugh to myself. There is no way if somebody came in no, through my door, that is so not, close. No, like, I don't know. If I couldn't do that. Or I mean, you must have read in Outlander when they're teaching her how to like kill a man yeah. with her yeah. little stabby thing. Um, <laughs> we call it her, a knife. <laughs> yeah, with her knife. Um, but you know, it's like actually, it's it requires an immense amount of force. It's a lot harder than it looks on cartoons. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's intimate. Yeah. And there is no. And that's why I sleep with pepper spray and oh, that's a smart. rolling pin to beat them in the oh, head. Oh my gosh, okay. you're so old. <laughs> but, but think about it. If you're gonna do, if you're gonna it's way easier to beat someone with a rolling pin than to stab them. Girl, I've I got think. one of those mag lights. At least I look like oh, a cop yeah. or something. Like, because those things are heavy. So I'm going to just beat you, the shit out of them. You pepper spray them, and then you oh. beat them, and then you run out of the house. Screaming. Yeah. Or if me, humming, because I don't have vocal <laughs> enough yeah, Maybe you resonance. should get a dog, because actually you my whistle. dog is very cute, but she sounds very aggressive when people are coming up to the door oh it's gonna happen i feel she it barks a lot <laughs> guys this is the year kate gets a pet mm-hmm. that yep it's happening okay so i don't really believe that but okay let's move on shut your face <laughs> so that's martha tabram mm-hmm. poor woman um so next victim happens then this is the this is the thing that almost drives me bonkers like the next victim is only like two weeks later on the 31st of August. Where the other one, there was like a couple of months. It's like, oh, could it be? Like, yeah. did I like this? This was clearly, this is how they know that this is the same guy. Um, and Mary Nichols, once again, prostitute. Uh, around 3.40 uh, a.m. on August 31st, a... Cartier, named Charles Cross, was making his way to work along Buck Row, a narrow cobble, Whitechapel Street. Uh, 
and as he came approaching a looming bulk of the 1876 board school uh, that dominated that way, he noticed a dark bundle lying in a gateway on the left side of the street. Uh, He didn't really pay much attention to it at first, but he thought he would check it out and he finds none other than a body there. Uh, And not really sure if she was dead or just drunk. So what did he do? He would do what I did. He definitely just kind of gave it a tap with his foot and then ran away. Um, (laughs) So he said that he heard footsteps coming behind him and he saw another person coming named Robert Paul. And they came and looked at this woman on the pavement. She was lying on her back. Her legs were straight out and her skirts were raised almost over her waist. Um, They believed her, of course, to be dead. But they said that they could see a little bit of movement. So she was still breathing just a little bit. So what did they do? They're all like, oh, we should sit her up and start asking her questions. Guys, if you find a body, the one thing that I've learned from like CSI or Law and Order or whatever, number one, don't touch it. Number two, (laughs) if somebody is breathing, it's probably likely that however they're lying, especially if they've been stabbed multiple times, their blood has pooled in a place that is the only thing keeping them alive if you shift the body they will die (laughs) also this was 1880s so and they had not seen law and order dun dun so they don't know anything um so they decided no we won't touch her Kinda. They started just that they would pull back down her skirts over her knees for decency and set off to their rep- their respective places. And they left her. And then hours later, told a policeman. Hmm. Yep. So by the time they come and find her, it's now earlier in the morning. And the woman's body, when the cop comes and checks him out, Constable John Neal, they find that... <laughs> Her throat had already been slashed. So literally, like, it's just sad. She was alive there. Barely. Two people come. They kind of make her semi-decent and then walk away from her. Ugh. I don't know why. like, this is clearly a fight with her husband. We're going to stay out of it. (laughs) We're just leaving. So, and, ugh. Okay. Okay. This is where it's, like, so bad. I don't know, like, don't want to gross anybody out. So if you don't want to listen, but skip ahead, like, 10 seconds. Her throat was so savagely cut that it almost had been taken completely off her body. Um, Yet the woman was still slightly breathing. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So after that, people, of course, go, hmm. Three murders in the last little bit here. I think something's up in Whitechapel. So... And then people's... The home prices plummeted. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nobody came for curry anymore. Uh, so they take her to go and get her body examined. And once again, pronounced dead at the scene. And... But... <laughs> baby girl was still warm when they brought her body in. Um... Just so sad. So she hadn't been dead more than, they said, 30 minutes by the time the the police officer had finally made it. So I just, bleh. 
Uh, just can't believe two people found her and left her for hours like that. And yep, cool. Cool, cool, cool. What were their names? So we can just, they can roll over in their graves. No, just kidding. Their ancestors can send us an email saying they didn't mean to. Charlie Cross and friend. Um, so they started uh, calling them the the Win- Winthrop Street Horse Slaughters because they were all happening kind of around the same area, but it didn't last long until they gave it a new name, which just became the Whitechapel Murders because they were happening all over that area. So after Marianne Nichols, they, there was a guy, his name was John Pizer. He was a Polish Jew who made footwear from leather, so his nickname was Leather Apron. And this is the weird thing. He was investigated by the police, and they arrested him even though they, quote, said, there is no evidence against him. What? <laughs> so I think that people in the neighborhood just didn't like him. They were kind of racist. Um, but what happened was um, a, there were newspapers that were naming him as the murderer just because, like, locals were saying they suspected him, which is what pressured the police into arresting him. But he was released very soon after because he had great alibis. Oh. Um, But what I found interesting about him is that he actually successfully, like, sued some of the newspapers that named him as a murderer and got money from them. Which I was like, I didn't even know that that was happening in the 1800s that you could, like, sue for slander or whatever. Do a Melania Trump and, you know, (laughs) get your money. I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting that, like... Yeah. Even back then, you could be like, hey, I'm not actually the murderer. Give me money. Here's my freaking thing. I've just, like, been thinking my life is in a interesting state right now. Like, my alibi right now would suck so bad. They'd be like, what were you doing on the night of blah, blah, blah? And I'd be like, I'd be eating a Chipotle bowl, double meat, <laughs> in my bed, watching nature documentaries. And they'd be like, not buying it. I'd be like... <laughs> but you could probably, like, be like, hey... Go to the Chipotle. I, I could, they know me I by name. this person at this time. Somebody knew that I was at least on my phone. Right? They can, they'll cover me. Uh, so, little story here. Uh, it's called What the Night Watchman Saw. Uh, it said that they were joined at the murder site by Pac- Patrick Mulshaw, a night watch, who was working at a nearby sewer works. Although he did not uh, did confess that sometimes he dozed off on duty, he was empathetic and he ha- and said that he had been awake during um, between the 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. time and he had not seen or heard anything suspicious. But around 20 minutes to five, a stranger passed him and told him, "Watchman, old man, I believe somebody is murdered down the street," and then immediately left. And there's, like, suspicions that that was possibly, like, Jack the Ripper saying, like, go and find him. Go and find him. Hmm. Um, which, because that's kind of the truth. Most serial killers, like, it is kind of surprising that he was never caught because he killed so many women. But they usually keep some kind of trophy or they want notoriety that it was them. Yeah. This was somebody that just didn't freaking care about it. Like, well supposedly he mailed the police a kidney at one point so he was keeping some stuff <laughs> oh my gosh do you know whose kidney somebody's one well, of them? here's the problem police couldn't test those things back then <sighs> you point. know so they really have no idea if it was even one of the victim's kidneys because they don't like well how are they going right. to do that <laughs> have been like horse <laughs> mm-hmm. okay um oh 
Okay, sorry. Vocal fold hurting. Um, <laughs> next one is um, Annie Chapman. She was the next victim that was murdered <laughs> just less than a week on September 8th. Uh, do you, did you research anything about her children? No. Okay, Tell so me. just side note before we get too much into her. So she, um, she was married. She had three children. Um, and one of her, so when she died, her children weren't all with her because her daughter, Annie, um, was out traveling with a circus in France. So I don't know what she was doing. Oh. I just thought that was funny. The taunt twirling? It, it was like, oh, like. <laughs> runs in the family. Not all of her family was around because. Well, it said that she lived a very nomadic existence and that she traveled quite a bit. Once again, also, I think the movies that I've all seen, they always like portray the victims to be like young, younger women, kind of almost sexy or, you know, really downtrodden by life, but always younger. All of these women are older. Well, and they all were like married with children, which I find kind of interesting since they were all sex workers. Yeah. But, but yeah, like they, yeah, had a life. They weren't just like these teenage like. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because Annie Chapman, um, she died. She was forty-seven years old, um, and it said that she had been living at uh, Crossingham's lodging house at number thirty-five, where she paid eight pence a night for a double bed. <laughs> Very. Very specific. Um, also, I maybe you were gonna say this, but no. she was bruised before her before you know her death because she had gotten in a fight with Eliza, who was a fellow resident there. Um, <laughs> that was a fight over a borrowed bar of soap that Annie had not oh returned. <laughs> who dropped the soap? Oh, oh anyway. man. Well, that is. So sad. <laughs> <laughs> right? Just saying. Like many women in the area, uh, Annie supplemented uh, her meager income uh, she obtained from crochet work and making and selling artificial flowers um, to being a sex worker to working in prostitution, which is just the saddest thing on the face of the I planet. It is. It's, uh, why does sex have to sell? Find one person in your life. Keep it in your pants. Find that one person. I mean, they Love were them. All also married. They had that one person. They just needed the money. <laughs> they just needed some. Um. Okay. So she had. Um, I'm sorry. I lost my place. Uh, she had two regular clients. One was known as Harry the Hawker, and the other was named as Ted Stanley, who is supposed a retired soldier. That. Um, Always, always coming around. Uh, according to Timothy Donovan, Stanley, whoever that is, I don't know why he was important. Stanley <laughs> would frequently spend Saturday to Mondays over the weekend with Annie. Um, sometimes even when her children were around. Um, he also said that Stanley had told him to turn Annie away that she, at the at the lodgings, if other men came around, um, he would say, like, Annie's all mine. And um, he definitely did not like ever being denied, which happened once or twice. And so they said that there had been some arguments if this soldier guy came around and she was already 
um, having a moment with another gentleman that there would usually be some great argument and fight. Um, so the two women, uh, oh, I'm sorry. We have our friend about the soap, Eliza. <laughs> they had spent time in the local pubs and, uh, Eliza was kind of jealous because I think Annie was doing much better than her mm. in, in that sense. And that's one of the last time that she had ever been seen, whatever had caused, um, this bigger fight, we don't really know what had really sparked Eliza other than the dropping of the soap, <laughs> the keeping of the soap. Uh, so the last time that she's seen was, uh, Monday, the 3rd of September. And she said that she had been hit and bruised the last time that she had, uh, fall, uh been seen. And she said that she had said that she had just keep falling and her health was also rapidly declining. She, uh, so they think that she had consumption mm. and uh, one of the last sightings of her was she said that she was too ill to do anything. And uh, that is her. She just disappeared. So why she was a part of the murders, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Cause it just doesn't sound like um, she had kind of the same experience as the others. Uh, she kind of disappeared into the night. I'm probably missing something hugely important. Well, the thing that was weird when I was reading about, like, why they suspected her murder and the last one were the same person, but, like, the other ones weren't, was it was, like, not even to do with, like, the style of killing. It was, like, to do with the weapon. So, okay. like, she was the same weapon as, um, what's her name that we just talked about? So, you know, so it's like, it and was just kind Nichols. Of, yeah. So it's just kind of weird of like the reasons that they thought things were linked back then. Yeah. I feel like now they would know a lot of, a lot more stuff. No, definitely. <laughs> definitely for sure. Okay. So that leads us to our next set of victims. Who, um, and why I say victims is because this is considered the double murder, the double killing. They didn't happen in the same place, but, um. Which is weird, because then why do they consider it a double killing? Because they hadn't, that happened at the same time, but it's the same date. Oh, sorry, that was me, definitely knocking table. Sorry, people, because I know that's definitely loud on the recording. Um, so this is Elizabeth Stride and Catherine, I'm going to say, Edo's. Edo's. Sure. Um, I think it's Edo's. Okay. I think so. E-D-D-O-W-E-S. Do you know Elizabeth Stride's nickname? No. Tell me. Long Liz. Long. <laughs> Which we they think is because of her last name being Stride. That's a <gasps> long step. Because she was actually quite short. <laughs> Anyway. Who knew? I just thought that was funny. I like it. <laughs> the body... So, why it's considered a double murder. We'll get a little bit more specific, but I feel like I'm getting maybe too specific with the other ones. This one is interesting, though. Um, Elizabeth Stride's body was found at 1 a.m. at Dentfield Yard off Burner Street. The fact that they know that it's a Jack the Ripper-related killing is because her throat had been cut. 
but the rest of her body had not been un- uh, had been untouched. So at first they were all like, "Oh, we're not sure if this um, if it's a Jack the Ripper." Um, killing but what leads her to be clumped into it is actually the second murder that happened was Catherine Eddowes which her and what's considered the last um, uh, victim of Jack the Ripper are probably his most vicious killings and Catherine Eddowes was found not even that far away a couple of blocks at 145 Mm. and so what they believe is Elizabeth Stride, he killed her, was about to like go and do his like famous work, but probably got interrupted. And because he'd like was on that high and he needed to finish it, not only did he go and find somebody else, but like her, the savagery of the level Mm -hmm. of what Catherine Eddowes got was something unseen on the other victims. It was pretty, pretty rough. So, um, dear long Liz, (laughs) uh, had been seen with a man that night. She was in the company of a man who was around five foot five. Uh, he had a black mustache, sandy eye uh, eyelashes, and was wearing a black morning suit together with a hat. And they they did not appear willing to go out with each other, but he kept hugging and kissing her, and she seemed to kind of not be enjoying it, you know? Yeah. And um, that was kind of the last time that she was seen. So, of course, that put a decent amount of suspects. They said that this guy seemed to be around like 28 years old with a dark complexion. Um, But like being said, she had um, just had her throat cut. And I guess if it hadn't been for the second murder that happened that night, I don't know if they would have considered it just a Jack the Ripper killing. It just didn't look consistent. But when they found Catherine Eddowes less than 45 minutes, like he literally just went around the corner and found another person. Disgusting. Um, Which is a little bit weird if you think about it. Because if he like got interrupted, I don't know, you you would think that he would like go further away or like, you know, I don't know, wait a few hours. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, Her... uh, murder was um pretty heinous he definitely um went after her face and uh took out many of her organs um they said they went that he specifically went after her uterus and her left kidney Hmm. yeah yeah it was not good um so she had been out at that time late doing her thing and trying to get a buyer a suitor whatever you want to call um but uh was found only 45 minutes after the other body had been found so that leads us to our last murder that's considered that i'm going to talk about there is the alice mckenzie murder in the francis coles that they kind of link together but they happened um almost a year later not quite like eight mm-hmm. months later and so in, they're both prostitutes. They both kind of fit the bill. But between the two of them, the first one of those, Alice McKenzie, was July 17th of 1889. Um, so like eight months after the murder I'm about to talk to, Mary Kelly. And then the next one is almost two years later. And so they're like, is this just a copycat of somebody kind of yeah. 
doing something because it just didn't this was like one right after the another so after the double murder uh it's like jack the ripper took a month off he was all tired out um november 9th 1988 and mary kelly was probably the worst victim uh, that we know of uh caused by jack the ripper he practically once again some of our listeners are gonna be like no thank you just go back to talking about weird food um (laughs) which we'll be doing which will be our next episode um she had been um pretty much skinned to the bone he kind of just dismembered her and took it all apart um she was pretty popular. She was usually in the company of two or three of uh, her other working friends, but was always neatly dressed and wore a clean white apron, but no hat. She was w- well-liked in the area, and she um, always had... Um, everybody had nice things to say about her and say that she would occasionally get a little tipsy. <clears throat> she had been renting a room... Um, until uh, two weeks before her murder, she had been living with an unemployed Billingsgate fish porter named Joseph Barnett. His lack of earnings had meant that the rent of the room was um, not really, um, well, he wasn't working, not pulling his weight. So Mary had to start prostitution. Um, this led I to... I love that that's the only option. Right? Like, why can't you get a job? Right. <laughs> How about you go and do something? Uh, I'll sell my body. (gasps) This led to arguments between them, um, but, uh, and had ended with a little bit of some physical abuse and some things around the house getting broken, but they seem to, um, be doing okay, I guess, together. Late in October, Mary invited a homeless prostitute named Julia to stay with them. This was too much, and Joe decided he was done with her, and he left. Uh, So, after he leaves, he kind of comes back into her life a couple of times, trying to, uh, you know, I guess, rekindle the flame. But uh, didn't really work. And uh, later... He said that, you know, he'd seen other women and other um, prostitutes coming in and out of her apartment. So kind of everybody started to know that it was almost a safe house and that she was very friendly, but also that pretty much everybody that came in and out of there was a prostitute. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of like labeled her as like, this could be a good spot. Not blaming her. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Barrett was probably one of the last people to see her alive. Um, when I last saw her, he says in his testimony, I last saw her alive between 7.30 and 7.45 the night of Thursday. She was found. I was with her about an hour. Um, so they don't really consider him, but they kind of did. Uh, she went out, she never returned and he kind of didn't think too much of it until her body was found and it was not very good so those are the murders yeah so a few things so many murders mary kelly's mutilation was the worst out of everyone and police suspect it could have taken about two hours to perform Mm. so like i don't know that's just crazy to me that's morbid um also her friend george hutchinson 
gave the police a description of a man that he said he had seen her with at 2 a.m. Um, it was really detailed. They never found anyone who looked like that. Um, so he's actually suspected of being Jack the Ripper. And, like, he was, like, giving a detailed description of someone who didn't exist yeah. so that he wouldn't be caught. So, yeah. Interesting. I know. So, so yeah. So the police obviously never caught anyone. Um, it's kind of interesting, like how police investigation kind of changed with this. So Jack the Ripper was obviously not like the first known serial killer, but he was like the first serial killer who became like sensationalized in newspapers. Like now if there's a serial killer, you know it's like in all the papers and people are talking about whatever. But like this was the first time that this this had happened. Um, So people say that like, the police just didn't know what they were doing um, because part of it was that there there was, like, the new, like, London Metropolitan Police, and then there was also Scotland Yard. And so it it's kind of like now. Like, I feel like now it's, like, if there's a murder, then, like, the local police handle it, and then if yeah. he becomes, like, a serial killer, then, like, the FBI handles it. Yeah. So that's kind of what happened there, except for it was never actually clear who was supposed to be handling it. So, like, everybody was kind of handling it and doing different things, whereas if they had, like, worked together, it might have like been a good thing yeah um so some weird things that they did was that with mary kelly they took photos of her eyes afterwards because they thought that the face of her murderer would have been preserved on her retina Right? Like, this is how bad science was back then. You know? So, it's like, people people now, I feel like, sometimes act like the police were, like, these bumbling fools who couldn't figure this out. But it's like, yeah. they thought that was science. You know? Um, the image of her killer was, like, stained on her eyes. Like, right? Like, what? Um, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So, that was kind of crazy. So, a lot of people, sus- they, they suspected that um like a butcher or a slaughter or a surgeon like would be the killer because of the manner of the mutilations um so but like you know they never found any proof of that there was a group of citizen volunteers that would patrol the streets looking for suspicious characters just because they thought the police weren't doing enough which i understand if so if there's a serial killer in your neighborhood obviously you're gonna be like what are the police doing so this was also kind of like the first time that um, police profiling was used. So there was like one of the police surgeon, they had him give his opinion on like the murder or surgical skill and stuff. And he actually said he thought that the, the killer had no scientific or an, anatomical knowledge um, unlike what the other police thought. Yeah. Because he thought that, like, even a butcher has better knowledge of anatomy than this guy. Oof. And that's why the mutilations were so bad. Um, he said that he thought that the killer must have been a man of solitary habits subject to periodical periodical attacks of homicidal and erotic mania. Um, and that the homicidal impulse may have developed from a revengeful or brooding condition of the mind. Um... There's no evidence of any sexual activity with the victims, although he the mutilations were sexual in nature. So yeah. th- they think that he was deriving sexual pleasure from the attacks. Oh, gross. 
Um, yeah, so it's just, like, it's really crazy. Um, so, like I said, so there, the police actually received letters from, like, from everyone. So there were letters that are that were claimed to be from the killer. There were letters from, like, people claiming that they found stuff. People would send them to the police. They would send them to the newspapers. Um, the newspapers, like, this was, like, a national pastime at that time because the police mostly thought, like, the letters from people saying they reject the Ripper were a hoax. And so the newspapers were um, printing them all because the newspapers were just trying to, like, which... A lot of people say that if the police, because back then the idea of the police was that like you don't tell the paper anything and like so nothing gets out. But now I feel like police will sometimes work together with the papers to be like release this little bit of information and then we'll see what happens or whatever. And so people say that if they had worked together, they might have been able to figure out who it was. Um, So yeah, so one of the letters the guy signs his name as Jack the Ripper, which is why, um, like, why they got that name. Interesting. Although some people say that this, that was actually fake and that, like, it was a fake letter inserted into police records later. <laughs> so, I don't know. There's just, like, a lot of things. Because the, they do still Bummer. have the police letters, or, I mean, the police records from this because it was never solved and, yeah. you know. So, so, yeah. I don't know. It, so... They, so a lot of things that happened were, so they, they weirdly took photos of the eyes, but they didn't actually photograph like the crime scenes. So like they didn't have any, which I feel like police, uh, now that's what they do first thing. They photograph the crime scene so that they can like remember anything after. Um, So fingerprinting was very new back then. It had only emerged in 1880. So... They weren't fingerprinting anything because that wasn't in general use. Even though um, there was a guy, so Sir William Herschel, he was working in India and he actually like wrote in to the police there to be like, hey, I've been using this thing called fingerprinting to identify people. Like, you should do it. Try it out. But they didn't. Um, <laughs> Screw is, that. Which is dumb because apparently <laughs> this guy in India who started doing it, the like, it, it, like, revolutionized, like... Crime rates just... Ide- yeah. It just really went did, into the they ground. Were just, like, identifying all of the crime in India, like, super fast. So, I don't... They Get really it together, England. Um, yeah, they really should have done that. But, yeah. So, like, the Jack the Ripper people... It's not that they were incompetent. It's just that, like, science was incompetent back then. Um, like, some people suspected that it was gang-related violence, which... Again, I don't know why they would think that. (laughs) Um, So I mean, maybe that first killing because the woman said like it was two or three men. Like yeah, so they were saying that they thought that like the gangs were blackmailing the woman, and then when the women were refusing to give in to the blackmail, that's when this would happen. Um, So that's one theory. So, but yeah, basically it's like they they really didn't. They oh, and also like the guy who got like um arrested that it wasn't him so back then people were like very very racist against the jewish community of which there was a large one in Whitechapel. yeah so that also really like led things astray because people were like being like oh it was this guy it was this guy but like they were just racist like it wasn't anyone you know stupid Um, prejudiced people 
So, yeah, and another thing that people thought that they did was really wrong was because... <laughs> Let's was, just talk about how everything know, right? was wrong. Was that they didn't offer any rewards. Oh. So, like, which really, it didn't really happen until, like, 1883 that the police would even do that. But, like, offering a reward for people that have information, like, brings out a lot of information instead yeah. of all these like crazy people speculating yeah. like you might actually get some information people who like were like oh i don't want to say anything because i want to get in trouble might be like oh but for two thousand pounds i'll say something yeah so yeah i don't know so there were a lot a lot of suspects there are five main suspects that are like the ones that people think are most likely true um so the first main suspect was Montague John Drute. Drute? Yeah, D-R-U-I-T-T. Okay. So he, there's not actually a lot of evidence against him. Um, it's so... But he, he was he, Jewish, so we picked him. No. Sorry. <laughs> he wasn't. So he was, um, he was a resident of Whitechapel. Or well, he lived very close to Whitechapel, which one of the things the police were very convinced was that the guy either lived in Whitechapel or was nearby. Um, so he was just on the right, on the other side of the river. He was an Oxford-educated man who was. This is what's weird. He's an Oxford-educated man that people believed was sexually insane. I'm not sure why they thought he was sexually insane. I don't really know what that means. I was about to say, please describe. <laughs> yeah, sexually insane, we don't know what that means. Um, but some people say he was homosexual. and like, But like back then, you know, you would like hide it, which would drive you crazy. And then, and that's maybe why he like didn't do anything with the bodies, but they was still like yeah. a sexual thing. Um, but one of the things that makes them really think that he was the guy was because seven weeks after the murder of Mary Jane Kelly, which a lot of people believe was the final murder, um, he committed suicide in the river and they found his body in the river and then the murders ended. So it's like they already kind of suspected him and then like that happened. So they're like, oh, it was probably him. That's that's reasonable. Yeah. So, and before anybody writes us a bad email, I am not a racist. <laughs> Didn't mean he was Jewish. <laughs> I can already see the hate mail coming. <laughs> so the next guy is Carl Fagenbaum. I don't know how to say it. It's a German name. I like it. I don't speak German. Um, so he was 54 years old. He was no- well known to be a psychopath who confessed to mutilating women. Um, he had a lawyer, what? his own lawyer believed that he was Jack the Ripper. Oh, um, he went by many aliases during his lifetime, and he was known to be working on merchant ships that were docked near Whitechapel, which is another thing they suspected. But like, yeah. if he didn't live in Whitechapel, he was like docked there and coming back and forth. Um, he and his co-worker, he was working in, re- records prove he was working in Whitechapel on every single date of the five main Jack the Ripper murders. And he and his co-workers were often seen at nearby brothels. I'm I'm picking him. Yeah. The German so, guy. Shortly after the end of the Whitechapel murders, he immigrates to America. And in 1890, he was convicted of murdering a woman by the name of Juliana Hoffman in America. And he was sent to the electric chair for his crime. Experts stated that there were striking similarities between... The Jack the Ripper murders and the slaying of Juliana Hoffman. Ooh. So I think he's the most likely. Okay. 
Um, the next guy, so there's five main guys. The next guy is Aaron Kaminsky. Um, he was a Polish barber. And um, he was Jewish, which makes me think he wasn't, just because I know that there were all of the racists. Like, I don't know. I but, don't think he was Jewish. He was known for having a strong hatred of women. He had homicidal tendencies, which I don't know what that means. Like, Maybe but he... he was sent to an asylum in 1889 oh, um, where he died. So, like, that would have corresponded yeah. with the end of it. Um, and police documents from the time revealed that the officials suspected a man whose name was Kaminsky, but they didn't, like, pinpoint him as a suspect until many years later. So, yeah. possible. Um, Francis Craig was Mary Jane Kelly's husband. So he was working as a reporter at the time of the murders. He was covering the police course, all of the inquests on the murders. He was suffering from mental illness. He was, um, he had schizotypal personality disorder. I'm not sure. Of course. That's, you know, I felt that a couple weeks ago. I think I shook it off, but you know, (laughs) just, that's why I need to go and see my therapist. So he, so he and uh, Mary Jane Kelly were married, um, and the, the theory is because she left him and she was hiding there, working as a prostitute under her fake name. Um, her real name was Elizabeth Weston Davies. Okay, that's the the yep. theory. Um, so what they believe, which this seems like. A lot. Like, I know a lot of people kill their wives. Like, if a, if a woman dies, it's most likely her husband yeah. or boyfriend that killed her. Someone you usually know. However, the theory is that he was plotting her murder. So to disguise his involvement, he decided to kill a bunch of other prostitutes first. Nope. Which I'm like, okay. Sorry. That's just, I can see you killing your wife in the heat of the moment. I can see you plotting your wife's murder. I can't see yeah. you being like, you know... I'm just going to kill all these women in horribly grotesque ways. That you have to practice it that many times. Yeah. Nope. Exactly. Sorry. So, last of the five majors is Walter Sickert. So, um, he was born in Munich and immigrated to London in 1869. I love how all of these, except for the first guy, has been an immigrant. I know. But (laughs) also, like, Whitechapel did have a lot of immigrants. Yeah, no, it's true. So, you know. Um, so he immigrated in 1869, which, like you were saying, like, why did it suddenly appear? Like, maybe he was doing stuff in Munich. Um, he was well known for painting prostitutes. And what some believe that he used to used to enter clues and symbols about Jack the Ripper murders into his artwork, which some experts suggest the clues are so similar to actual crime scenes that only the true murderer could have painted them. Um, Sickert was impotent after several surgeries on his penis, which experts have also suggested that Jack the Ripper may have had some kind of impotence problem, which is why he targeted the prostitutes so violently. Um, oh. <laughs> because he had so many sexual problems that that was his only sexual fulfillment. Um, and somebody in the like recent years say that they found mitochondrial DNA on some of the Jack the Ripper letters that were a match to letters written by... Somebody um, that can't get it up. Sicker, yeah. But it wasn't enough to convince experts that he was really Jack the Ripper. And he passed away in 1942, so... Okay, I'm going to ask a terrible question. Why the operations on his penis? Because he couldn't get it up? Yeah. Okay. 
So he wanted to fix that problem but never got fixed. The thing that I, that okay. is kind of shocking about that is like, you know, when you say like 1888, these murders were happening, it's like, oh, that fits, sounds so long ago. But then it's like this guy that was a suspect didn't die until 1942. So like that yeah. seems actually quite recent. Yeah. Um, crazy. Now, just for fun. <laughs> tell me more. I just want to tell you a little bit about some other suspects that... I think definitely we're not it, but, but are fun to speculate on. Okay. So the first of these is um, Prince Albert Victor, Duke of Clarence and Avondale. Oh my gosh. So he was um, Victoria and Albert's grandson. And I don't know. I just love that he was a suspect. So he... So what happened was his father, King Edward, pub- somebody published a biography of him in 1962. So this is people suspecting like way after the fact, right? So in that, um, the biographer wrote um, some references to rumors that he might have been the murderer because he was driven mad by syphilis. Um, of course. So anyway, so... Some people suspect that um, he was actually, like, that he consorted with a lot of prostitutes. Um, and that the theory is that he, um, like, had a child with one. And that Queen Victoria didn't want anyone to know that he had this, like, secret child. Oh, don't be... And so, threaten Queenie, uh, Queen so Vicky, <laughs> Queen Victoria, the British Prime Minister, the Freemasons, and the Metropolitan Police conspired to murder anyone aware of this child. Head shake, no, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no there's no. no way. But I just love that. That's that's like awesome. One of the things. So that's an awesome theory. Another crazy theory is about Lewis Carroll, the guy who wrote Alice in Wonderland. So I believe it already. <laughs> yeah. It's um, claimed that he was the victim of sexual assault as a child. He had a mental breakdown and began consumed with the idea of taking revenge on society. Um, he, he wrote in a diary every day of his life. And he always used purple ink. But on the days of the Whitechapel killings, he switched to black ink. No way, really? Yeah, that's actually true, which I find quite interesting. That's um, trippy. The rest of it gets weird because they say that his like his poems, like Jabberwocky, indicate he had a psychotic nature, which I've read that poem. I agree with that. But then they say that the most damning fact, which I think the diary is the most damning fact, but they say yeah. the most damning fact is, is that if you unscramble random sentences from his works, you can turn them into anagrams of something that Jack the Ripper might have said. Oh, jeez. Like, might have said, okay. I want a ham sandwich. <laughs> right? Like, there's a lot of things he might have said. Um, yeah, so those two. And then this is my favorite one, which, so, did you ever read the book The Devil in the White City? No, but my sister told me about it just the last time, and it's about the killings in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. H.H. Holmes, yeah, an H. H. Holmes, serial killer, who confessed to killing 27 people, but only nine were really confirmed because some of the people that he said he murdered were actually still alive. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so he, H.H. H. Holmes, he's a serial killer 
who starts killing in Chicago shortly after Jack the Ripper stops killing in London. So his, H.H. Holmes, like, I think it's his great-great-grandson, has a theory that he, that H.H. Holmes was actually the Ripper. Ooh. So, um, so he, they, so. Was I, he in England? So, yes. He said he has documents that show that he was in England before that, before he came to Chicago, um, that, I mean, the M.O.s aren't the same, because, like, he, it wasn't yeah. the same, but he was still a serial killer. Um, and the the great-great-grandson is excavating the... So he tried to excavate the remains of his great-grandfather. I don't know what he was trying to prove. I, I guess because there is some DNA on some Jack the Ripper stuff. I don't know. Um, and when they excavated it, there was an empty coffin. <gasps> so anyway, it's... I don't know. There's just... And then also he no. did some, like, handwriting analysis, which handwriting analysis, we all know, is not really great. That says that, like, there are a, a, a letter from the Ripper and his handwriting matches. And that the photo of Holmes, which this is true, actually matches a lot of eyewitness descriptions from the time of the crimes. So, anyway, so it's his great-great-grandson, oh. and he really believes that his great-grandpa was also Jack the Ripper. Um, a lot of people are skeptical I of hope this, not. But... I really love that theory too. Um, so yeah, so those are like the crazy, those are like the people um, that like they they suspect for real and the most crazy of the others. Yeah. But yeah, so that's Thanks. Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper, guys. That's it. I'm sorry yeah. I got really quiet because all of that talking, like by the end, my vocal fold, I was like, oh gosh. <laughs> but shoot, that's probably our darkest episode. Yeah. I feel like we should write a little warning on it because we definitely didn't say it in the first bit. Oh, yeah. Like, warning. <laughs> if you don't want to hear about sexual crimes, please turn this off now. <laughs> I just was talking to a, a friend that listens and she's all like, I love it because there's always something just kind of, you guys just make it fun and it's light and enjoyable. And this, this is a is downer. Not light and enjoyable. No. Okay, I mean, I'm don't. Gonna, I'm gonna write that in bold uh, as we yeah. post the episode. Not light and enjoyable. <laughs> it's definitely like here's this weird thing though. I get I don't want to say a kick because that makes it sound like I'm some weirdo, but like true crime to me is fascinating. The people that can do such things in just heinous nature is it something I want to dwell on? No, but it's something that you it's you can't look away. You know. Mm-hmm. But there are so many shows that are about Jack the Ripper that are out. Um, one of my favorites, if you have a chance to watch it, it's just called Whitechapel. And it's kind of like a modern retelling and like modern um, killings to like Jack the Ripper. Um, but yeah, spoiler alert, they never catch the guy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this guy's... We won't be as long the next time to get a recording out. Hopefully the next time I won't have to sit on top of the mic. Yes. This is actually really long. Even my throat hurts and I don't even have vocal cord problems. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> All right, guys. We will see you soon. Here, You will listen to us soon. You won't see us. You won't see us. But you'll listen to us. But you'll listen. Follow us on Instagram. Yep. And write us an email. LondonFogPodcast at gmail.com. All right. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.